Midnight Breakfast Cafe, the podcast that brings you the charming coffee shop banter without the food or beverages. So today we're here to talk about dead people. That's what it says on the list, and that's what we're talking about. Okay, so when you say dead people, are we talking about dead people in general, or famous dead people, or dead people that we personally know, or just like corpses? Talking about actual zombies. That's my decision. I might have put this on the list, and I... I dream about dead people quite a bit. Like, oh. I think I told you about this dream that I had one time where my family, they all died, but they were replaced by, like, moldy wooden puppets, and oh. I knew that they were dead. But everyone else was pretending that they weren't dead and they weren't puppets, but I knew they were puppets. And then, <laughs> and then I just, like, remember dreaming and being like, I hope this is a dream because this is weird shit. <laughs> Natalie, have you considered like submitting this as a screenplay to like some movie producer because i think this is going to be the newest hottest korean horror movie oh wooden puppet people that would be creepy and of of course it has to take place in a mansion (laughs) and like all the puppets would be wearing like victorian era clothing or something or like hanbos it's like the chucky dolls but like someone buried them in like the forest for like a oh year my god, I dug can see up. the movie posters already. <laughs> Isn't there like a psychological disorder where you believe that everyone around you is an imposter? Maybe this is a similar disorder where you think everyone around you is a moldy wooden puppet. And like that's the twist at the end of the movie. It's a crazy person dreaming up puppets. I do like the attention to detail. Like they're not just wooden puppets, they're molding. Yeah, they would have to be. Maybe it's a rainy mansion. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, this is like... This is the horror movie where people will be trying to drag you to the theaters and I'll be just like gripping the door be like, no, I am not going in. The title of the movie, Moist. Oh, <laughs> that is the oh, worst oh, word. Oh, I'm going to throw up right now, Tracy. How could you? See, normally I don't really get the total hatred of that word, but if you're talking about moldy puppets, like the perfect word for them is already there in our collective consciousness. That is- it. I don't dislike the word either, but just now, you just managed to combine everything disgusting about this premise. There's actually an orchestra going on outside of our house right now. It's a festival, and a bunch of people are out there playing Mario songs. And uh, playing board games, too. Yeah, really the fact that we're not there right now is... is a testament <laughs> to the importance of this podcast. Yeah, although it's probably going to be going on all day, we'll find it. Uh... But yeah, if we hear any weird background noises during the show, it's because the the Mario music is going on faintly in the background. Oh, speaking of Mario, have you guys seen that video of Mario basically like, what happens to Mario when he dies? No. no. <laughs> oh, so it's just an example where like Mario actually falls down one of those many holes and like he drops <laughs> to the sky and lands down on the ground, except he's no longer a cartoon character, he's like a human. <laughs> and like the ground is littered with all these other dead Marios. Oh. So each one's like a clone? It's like the prestige. <laughs> yeah. I've never actually ever finished watching this video because I'm just like, this is a little too disturbing. I don't want to think about like Mario dying. Yeah, video game logic, when taken to its conclusion, is pretty morbid a lot of the time. Like, even just the concept of lives is, like... <laughs> but I have read this, like, Craft.com article that was saying, like, video game, like, lives in video game is actually a pretty good metaphor for this theory. It's, like, the many worlds theory. Mm-hmm. And it basically postulates that um, we have 
maybe died many times in our lives, except we're not aware of that because every time we die, like that universe basically like disappears、mm. from our consciousness, and we continue living in the universe in which we didn't we did not die. Ah,、uh. but then eventually we'll all get old and die for realsies. For yeah, for realsies <laughs> because you you run to the end of like your line. Or like that is it? You run out of different possibilities. Yes, but the, so does everyone get like a thousand years, and then once you've used that up, that you're done? Maybe. Well,、yeah. I don't know if like a thousand, maybe like only a hundred or something. But it's just basically like. Well, what's the fun of that? <laughs> How many lives is a hundred years? That that could be like one life. Yeah. Yeah, basically. But well, I mean, you did it perfectly the first time, though. It's just basically. It's like. The the life that you're living right now is basically like your perfect run. You're in the middle of your perfect run. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think I think of it this way sometimes. Like whenever I have a near death scenario,、um, or a scenario that I can conceivably imagine as near death in my mind,、um, I imagine that there's the situation in which I actually died, and my brain just switched to the version where it didn't happen. Yeah, basically. Yeah, like. I feel like maybe I died when I was seventeen because I was in the middle of choking on one of those coconut jelly things that are apparently a choking hazard hazard in the states, and I was home alone. Except I continued living in the timeline in which I managed to spit it out and not、yeah. die. So how do you imagine this? Because how I imagine it is like the timeline just splits. Yeah. Like there's like the dead branch, and then there's like the string that. That keeps on going. Yeah, yeah, basically. Have you? I mean, have you read the crystal, the crystal mancy books by Diana Wynne Jones?、Mm. Like the first、yes. book is the Nine Lives of um no, Cat Christopher Chant. No,、mm. yes, the Nine Lives of Christopher Chant. But I was thinking more Eric Cat Cat Chant,、mm. where he's saying that he talks about like four times he almost died as a baby. Oh, yeah. And then, like after he talks to Crustomancy later, he finds out like in those other universes he did die as a baby. Yeah. And so, like he right now is the only iteration of himself still alive.、Hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a a graphic novel about this called Day Tripper that I read, and it's like it's just a story of this guy's life, but at the end of every chapter he dies. Like just something in that chapter could have killed him. So it was like, what if that is what happens? But then the story continues as if he didn't die, and it's really interesting because this was like the first time I think I had read about this concept, and I had you know had it in my own brain before, but this was like a good way to do it in book form, I guess, where it's like all these little miniature stories about what happens if you like had a terrible accident or if that one time you almost got into a car accident, like it actually did happen, and like kind of the outcome of that, but then. You know, you still go on from it somehow. It's pretty interesting, and it's got good art. <laughs> I would definitely say this is a graphic novel, more so than a comic. I have come to dislike that that difference, though. Sort of like the difference between like porn and erotica. One of them you're trying to feel good about yourself, and the other one you're telling the truth, which is that we're reading. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're reading a comic book. Deal with it. You're you're an adult, and you're reading a comic book. If you have to come up with like a new word for it. Then that's fine. So you could talk about it with your book club friends, but you're still reading a comic book, even though for a while it was like graphic novel was the only way to distinguish a comic that was only one story 
versus one that had like an ongoing story, like uh, Spider Man or whatever. But yeah, I think Will Eisner had the first graphic novel. Yeah, like that was the first one that was is you that know regarded the contract as of God. I think one, so. Or is that something else? Um, because it's not really a novel at all. It's like a collection of short stories. Yeah, but it's like this is around the time that comics were being regarded as like an art form that was good for something other than you know horror stories and superheroes and things like that so they figured they had to start distinguishing it somehow that this was going to be like an adult story with possibly troubling themes and you know it's something that you should feel better about reading than a superhero story Um, like erotica yeah exactly get yourself an erotic graphic novel and you're on top of the heap (laughs) but it's still, I don't know, it's it's a useful term when you're talking about the length of something, like if it's a standalone story or like an ongoing series, but it's just, I'm sick of pretending that comic books are either respectable or unrespectable on anything more than a case-by-case basis. It's just, there's so many of them, and they're all different. I don't know, when you say comic books, I still think of like a little kid chewing bubble gum and like <laughs> flipping through an Archie comic. Yeah, I think that's true of a lot of people. Do you think we've reached, like, peak mainstream comic book, like, culture, and it's all downhill from now in terms of public interest? Or do you think it's, we haven't hit peak yet? Because I've hit peak. I think we have hit peak with, like, white male superheroes. (laughs) Yeah. But we haven't, we're not anywhere near it in terms of a female superhero or, you know, non-white superhero but i suppose you could say the same with any genre like there was a time where there just weren't that many women on tv and there weren't that many people of color on tv but now like within every genre individually that has sort of improved yeah and i think superhero stuff is basically Definitely. no different what, what i really mean is not that we you know maybe it is a criticism but i'm just saying that all the white male superheroes on some way can be like, compare it to another one. Or there's, like, they have some sort of other version. And so you're just kind of like, oh, Captain America, in a way, he's, like, the Marvel version of Superman. Mm. Just like we often compare, like, Tony Stark, Iron Man, to Batman. Yeah. And so that's what I mean by there's an oversaturation of white male superheroes, is that, you know, you could put out another white male superhero, but it invites comparison. Oftentimes that is negative to the character because somebody somebody has done it before yeah and i think that's why people are are excited about wonder woman and black panther because you can't compare them to anything so we get to watch these with like fresh eyes and be like well i don't know what to expect Mm, yeah and i think that is also why people were so excited about jessica jones and it had such positive reviews i didn't like jessica jones oh really damn elaborate yes well, you know, like, you turn it on, you watch the first five minutes, and you're like, well, this this girl has problems. <laughs> this yeah. isn't going to end well. I feel like there's going to be a lot of heartache, a lot of drinking, and a lot of unhealthy, unhelpful behavior. <laughs> that is exactly what you get when you watch Jessica Jones. Where yeah. you're like, she has a lot of problems. But at least half of them are, like, you know, her not helping herself. Yeah, I think that's one of those things where you nailed the character, basically, but, like, it just depends on whether you like to see that type of character or not. You know, like, 
I have a certain amount of patience for, like, a sort of deeply messed up character if they're doing something interesting. Like, I don't want to see them just kind of wallowing and doing nothing. But I think Jessica's kind of a go-getter. Like, she, uh, she's proactive in solving her problems and in, like, trying to help other people from having to go through similar things than she did. Yeah. I think it's, she's a character where she's kind of given up on herself but she's fiercely protective of her friends. Mm. And so protecting her friends inspires her to get help for herself because she realizes that she can't help her friends if she can't even look after herself. One thing I really also liked about Jessica Jones is that he, um, Kilgrave was a very atypical villain. Yeah. Because, you know, in every other comic book, like the hero has some sort of, like, overly ambitious plot where he wants to take over the city or the world or he wants all this money and Kilgrave is just like he's a bit of a loser yeah he doesn't really want anything in life he just wants people to like like him right and more than anything he wants Jessica to like him <laughs> uh, so Natalie then has there been like a superhero TV show that you like is in your wheelhouse kind of I think you're going to have to just start naming TV shows. I did like Legion. <laughs> right, yeah, Legion. Yeah, that's like... Stacey, have you seen Legion yet? Not yet. I don't think you would like Legion, Stacey. I don't know. So, Tracy, you said it was gross, but I didn't find it, like, that gross. I'm talking specifically about that one asshole who always popped into the corner with his creepy-ass face and just, like, looks like a pile of pudding, basically. I mean... Oh, <laughs> I mean, I know I'm. I famously dislike gore and mm. old, like over the top violence, but you know, I feel like it's fine if it's like contextual. Like I didn't, I didn't find it's not as bloody as like <laughs> Game of Thrones. Yeah, that like if Game of Thrones is like ten, and I I can't think of a one like Bambi maybe. <laughs> Where it's, like, traumatic, but it's not gory. Like, it happens kind of uh, off camera a little bit. Yeah, and so I would put I would put Legion at maybe a five or... It has moments of, like, seven, maybe? The thing is, like, when I'm very scared by something, it's usually not because it was gory or even necessarily that I had a lot of jump scares. It's because it's, like, that very weird, dark, psychological, David Lynchy type stuff where it's, like... What is that stupid kid with the puppet head, with the knife? Why? That creeps me out. I don't like it. <laughs> and, like, he's in just weird, creepy hallways with flickering lights for just hours and hours. Like, that gets to me in my oh. my deep nightmare place. So, for me, that's, like, one of the scariest TV shows next to, like, Twin Peaks that I've ever seen. But I still really enjoyed it because I like the characters and I think it's it's cool what they've done with the character of Legion. Even though I think I, mm-hmm. I could go into more detail about problems that I have with that. Uh, it's, it's, it's essentially a very cool adaptation done by writers who I like. And so it's good. I liked it. Legion looks really cool. Mm, like, yeah. They put a lot of thought in how it looked like. They didn't put as much thought uh, into like why people are doing what they're doing. Yeah, they're going off dream logic a lot of the time, I think. Uh, but I guess, like, shows that I hear talked about all the time that I have never watched are, like, the whole DC club of shows, like The Flash and Green Arrow, and now they're together, I guess. What is it? Legends of Tomorrow, I think. Um, 
I hear those are like the fun shows. Like we watch a lot of the dark ones and the messed up ones, but these are like the ones where people are having like comic book hijinks. And I do hear that the DC TV shows are far superior to the DC movies. Or at least like they seem to have a fan base, unlike right. maybe Batman v Superman, which if it has a fan base, it's quite small and I misguided. Think, like you said, like the TV shows at least are fun. Because yeah. the thing is, like, no matter how dark or, like, angsty your superheroes have, like, you know, in terms of their backstory, you still want, like, the actual story you're watching to be fun. Yeah. Because, like, in a way, like, I feel like superheroes are supposed to be hopeful. Like, yeah. you know, they're this, like, point of hope or brightness in an otherwise dark world, and you're hoping that, you know... If somebody has the courage to look for the silver lining and try and make the world a better place, it can't be all that bad. Yeah, I think there's going to be a, a resurgence of hopeful superheroes in this day and age. Just because we tend to look now at a character like Superman and be like either that is unacceptably kind of good and hopeful or we need to darken that up somehow. And you I can't think, darken Superman, though. He's I know. not Superman anymore. Just look at Man of Steel. But this is the tendency, I'm saying. If they made Superman into, like, a Lego movie, what, what do you think it would be like? I would like to see a version of Superman in Lego form, where he, like, had, his sort of fame and popularity and good guy status have gone to his head a little bit. But essentially, he's still a real decent good guy at heart, and that comes out after he learns his lesson. <laughs> that would be the version of Lego Superman I'd like to see. What is his flaw? Like, what would his flaw be in the Lego movie? I think his flaw would be that he tries to be, like, the hallway monitor of the world. Like, he shows <laughs> up if somebody litters. Yeah, he's just too perfect. Like, he needs to, he needs to let loose a little bit, or just learn that uh, people are multifaceted. And I'm pretty sure that in the comic books he is like that. That's a gross oversimplification of Superman. But that's what I like about the Lego movies is how they, they sort of take the simplest possible version of a character and find what's funny about it yeah. and roll with that. So would it be like, oh, you littered, Superman banishes you to the Phantom Zone? No, no. he'll just come and shake his finger and give you a lecture for like an hour. <laughs> like, super and, like make you do like community service it's like now we're gonna go and pick up all the litter in the city so that you learn your lessons yeah i don't know if that's enough of a flaw though because still at the end of the day like you don't want litter in the city that's a good lesson to be teaching like it would need to be stretched in some direction well what if he just started like like a moral police and <laughs> or like and he just... does like everything by the book to the point like nothing gets done or is it, are you are you talking about like like Superman Minority Report? Is he like <laughs> having Superman thought police? Oh god, <laughs> that's one angle, but that just swung dark. I think uh one way you could do it is Superman is basically himself, as in the comics. Like he's a real good, decent guy, and like he's not overkilled nice. He's just regular nice. But like the world has moved on. We want complex stories about flawed heroes, and so Superman's like, I guess I better have a flaw. And he's, like, looking everywhere trying to find out oh, how he can actually, become more complex. I really like that. <laughs> yeah, that's And so that's he's trying better. to hang out with, like, Batman, and he's trying to hang out with all, like, the messed up superheroes to figure out, like, what's wrong with him, basically. And at the end of the day, he just figures out it's okay to be yourself when yourself is just a nice, decent guy who doesn't have any troubled past or anything. It's like Batman's like, yeah, I'm like this because my parents are dead. It's my fault. And, like, Superman's like... 
am I supposed to kill my mom and my dad? I, I can't I thought they do were that. dead. Isn't his whole his whole race is dead, I thought, except for, like, Wonder or Superman. Yeah, but he was brought up by, you know, like, the kids. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. like, he's like, well, the people who brought me up are alive, and they taught me all these great values. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. No, it's like, no, you have to focus on the fact that you're last of your kind. It's very important that you feel bad about that. It's like, well, shouldn't I just, like, you know, get a girlfriend and maybe, like, have another baby Kryptonian or something? <laughs> but then he's got to find, like, a therapist where, like, instead of trying to make him more socially adjusted, they try to make him more disjointed. And it's yes. just like, maybe it turns out that's the villain. It's just terrible Except what happens just... is, like, the therapist, after talking to Superman, feels so much more enlightened. And then, like, <laughs> they go, it's like, wow, like, the road is great. I like that a lot. It would be, like, a true Hollywood reporter. Is Superman too normal? Is Superman the most boring superhero? Can Superman save us when, like, he doesn't understand what we're going through? Superman dot 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 yawn. Man, I think we did it. I think that's the pitch. As usual, all our episodes come to a movie pitch in the end. Should we rebrand our podcast as in Tracy, Stacy, and Natalie pitch a movie? Just Midnight Movie Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god! And like the Superman Lego movie can start like the opposite of the Batman movie, where we start with a white scene because like, you know how like all dark movies start with a black scene. Or it seems like it's very important that the Lego Superman movies start with just, like, the catchiest pop song you've heard in your entire life. Because this is something they've established as being part of the Lego branding, and for Superman in particular. Like, you could practically reuse Everything is Awesome, except it would have to be his own no. catchphrase. It would be like, I'm walking on sunshine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could be a cover, but it has to be just super, super catchy. And, and it has to be a song about how good your day is. Yeah. Or just, like, how helping everybody makes the world a better place. Yeah. And mm. it starts with him, like, his alarm goes off at, like, 5 a.m. or something. <laughs> he goes and does, like, his workout, and then he's, like, getting ready to go to work. And then on his way to work, he's doing all these minor nice things for all his neighbors. Yeah, and everyone's like, thanks, Superman. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, only after that song does, like, the turn take place. Yeah. It's like, we need complexity. We love Batman the most. I think really in the meta world of these movies, it should be like you see a Lego Batman poster and everybody's like, that was awesome. We need more of this. Yeah. (laughs) And then Superman's like, I thought I was the popular one. Not anymore. The world has changed. Yeah. And then everybody's having a party in like the the Wayne mansion and like Superman's alone in his fortress of solitude. And he's like, well, I guess it is my fortress of solitude, but I feel like Superman doesn't party. He doesn't drink. I know in the Lego movie, he had a party and Batman, like, wasn't invited. <laughs> but, like, I feel like him as, like, you know, bedrock of America and, like, ultimate immigrant success story, he'd be like, I have time off. Let me, like, build habitat for humanity. Yeah. Or, like, I think he would, like, want to host brunch for everybody. And, like, invite all his pals over, and, like, they're all drinking mimosas and such. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be a total goody-goody, but it's, like, he's got, like, a real wholesome spin on it. He probably yeah. sneaks, like, kale into brownies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Or it'll be, like, afterwards, we're like, yeah, we had a great party at, like, Superman's Fortress last week. That punch was awesome. And 
there's like what was in it he lists all these like fruit juices and like no yeah but what was in it he's like i don't know understand what you mean and it turns out there's like nootropics yeah they thought it was alcoholic but it wasn't (laughs) yeah do you think when superman like can't sleep at night he teaches spin classes (laughs) oh my god (laughs) just the idea of workout instructor superman is hilarious to me (laughs) and he'd be like doing so much better no you would die trying to keep up with him (laughs) and he wouldn't understand like what human limitations are he'd be like no you can do it because i can do it and we're just like superman you're not human (laughs) and like people who take a spin class end up in the hospital (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure he would be super encouraging. And yeah, I warm. think he would. I like to see him as more empathetic. He he has to understand human limitations. How does Clark Kent give a handshake if he doesn't understand human limitations? It's like I read this thing before about how like it's hilarious how basically Superman, in order to fit in in the world, like masquerades as like the dweebiest guy in existence because that's what he thinks normal humans are like. <laughs> yeah. Like, he could have just been, like, a sort of more regular dude, but I think also people like the whole, he was a geek, but it turns out he was more than that. Yeah. You know, that's, like, a real like appealing thing. we thought we could bully him. Yeah, it's, like, the same as Spider-Man, you know? That's, like, what you think of the nerdy kid is he's not much of anything, but it turns out he's got hidden depths. It's yeah. important in comic book world. Hmm. Maybe oh. Lois Lane breaks up with him. I think she, Lois Lane she, would have to go out with him in the first place. Yeah, this should be before they were even dating. But, like, he comes into work one day, and he's just like, so I've got the new story about Superman. She's like, Superman? we got a story about Batman here. That's what everybody wants oh, to read. Oh, and then Bruce Wayne has to, like, invite <laughs> Lois Lane out on a date. Yeah, they're definitely, like, not necessarily that they're dating, but she's certainly a little charmed by him in yeah. this version. And Superman's like, but I thought you liked, uh... How great Superman is, and she's like, yeah, but you know, like same thing all the time. Sometimes you want something like dramatic and dark and yeah. scary, and, and like, like Batman lays us out these sick beats. He writes <laughs> these awesome rap songs. <laughs> but I mean, this is still gonna be like wholesome. Oh like, my god, shit. no! We just put down the premise for a Lego version of Batman versus Superman. Shit, yeah. Why didn't we think of this first? <laughs> yeah, and then so obviously Superman confronts Batman. He's like, dude, you know I'm super into Lois. How could you do this? And then Batman's like, well, I can't help it that she sees how awesome I am. And they have like this big superhero fight. But I want Lego Batman v Superman to be more like, uh, like, I don't know, they, they go out for coffee and just hash it out, you know? <laughs> like, it's Batman v Superman in a more emotional sense. Like, they have to have a prank war or something. It's not going to be they punch each other. No, like, they won't really punch each other. He's like, well, we're going to have a competition over who will be a better boyfriend for Lois. Well, what if Superman then tries to just, like, seduce Robin? <laughs> Not seduce in a sexual sense, but, like, steal <laughs> her. sense? But like, you don't want to be Batman's apprentice. You want to be my apprentice. No, I really like that angle because he's so wholesome and Robin's so wholesome that he's just like, do you want to go to the zoo? <laughs> And he's like, yeah, uh, yes. Let's go camping! <laughs> that would be real cute. Oh my god. Lego Batman vs. Superman sounds amazing. <laughs> we just like, if it. there are any producers on the Lego movie franchise, like, listening to this, please <laughs> list us in the credits. Like, you know, contact us. We are, you know, oh, wait. we'll make something happen. I feel like Alfred has to be, like, the voice of reason in the scenario, like, as usual. 
No, in the what? end, Alfred is the one who ends up with Lois Lane. <laughs> oh, I don't. Th- no, no. No, I don't actually want to take Lois from Clark. It's just uh, she's got to dabble a little bit, that's all. Yeah, or she'd be like, oh, Alfred is like my grandfather, and I wish I'd spent more time with him while he was alive. That would be a cool twist if they were related. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, that would be it. Crossover. Like like Batman and Superman would be like, wait, Lois is spending so much time with Alfred. What's going on here? He's old. And then at the end of it, it's like, oh yeah, guys, what do you know? Alfred's like my my uncle or something. Yeah. And we did two movies today, guys. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Next Lego Justice League. It's like a volleyball tournament. <laughs> oh man, these oh. are such good movies, idiot. Yeah. Were we gonna talk about Apocalypse? Oh, you mean X Men Apocalypse? Yes. You mean oh, that's right. seen that, that movie? You mean as in the X-Men with a hidden talent for costume design? Yeah, at the end yes. of the last episode, I think uh, the one that we did just the two of us, like at the end I was like, I can't believe like at the very end of the episode we brought up Age of Apocalypse and we didn't spend the whole episode discussing it. But I think we've done it again because we've basically been recording for an hour. I think I cannot just now get into my feelings about X-Men Apocalypse. It's going to be a full episode one of these days. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes. It will help new listeners find us. Have a question or a comment? We'd love to hear from you. You can tweet us at NBC Podcast. For links to all the things we talked about today, please go to our blog, midnightbreakfastcafe.wordpress.com. You can also subscribe to our newsletter, Wednesday Cafe.